working on Nento. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. I'm saying if we're on a losing streak or whatever, like you're not gonna win every game. Like, we have a lot of games still coming up. You just gotta relax and take each, uh, you know what I'm saying, each game slowly. Um, coach put us give us a game plan every game. So just going out and executing that and uh, playing the right way and we can live with whatever happens. We are here to feel the Rockets News. It's the Rockets Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work over at the SB Nation main site or the Dream Shake. And, of course, before we get too far into it, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up? It's Vader. You can find me on Twitter at VaderHTown, and you can also find me on Instagram. Same name. So we're going to be talking about, at this point, the Rockets, we all know the Rockets on a 12-game losing streak. When you're this bad of a team, you're really not going to be talking about too much when it comes to individual games, unless it's just some miraculous thing happened. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, Jalen Green um, had a had a great game. Um, he had his, his 40-point-plus game, uh, actually tied his career high. Um, so we definitely don't want to just look over that because even when they're losing, you know, performances like that definitely deserve some praise. But, of course, at the end of the day, the Rockets did lose like they have the previous 11 times before this game. So um, they're still on their 12-game losing streak. And that clip you heard uh, was from practice today. I was out at practice. And K.J. Martin was talking about their mentality dealing with the losing streak um, where basically, you know, they're taking it one game at a time. They're not trying to press or panic or anything like that. Um, so they're, they're definitely – I wouldn't say that they're panicking, but of course they they're ready for this losing streak to be over with because it starts to wear on everybody from the coaches to the players. I mean, you can just tell at some point they're tired of talking about a losing streak, but the only way they can fix that is by going out and winning. And their next game is going to be tomorrow. Unfortunately, it looks like uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jabari Smith will be out tomorrow. Coach Charles mentioned that today at practice that uh, he doesn't think either player will be playing Um Ken Porter Jr. wasn't in that practice. He actually had to go get his foot checked out. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be pre- uh, playing anytime soon, honestly. And uh, Jabari was at practice but didn't participate at all. So he's going to be out the next game. Um, more than likely, maybe out the following game, which, again, is against Minnesota on Monday. So the Rockets will be playing without two of their uh, starters in this next game. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But in today's show, we're going to really be focusing more on kind of a bigger picture type thing. Um, we're going to be talking about um, whether Alpern Shangun and possibly Victor Wimiyama can fit together because that's kind of the collision course we're on right now. A lot of Rockets fans are hoping that Victor Wimiyama is coming to Houston, but that kind of <laughs> brings in the, to, uh, the question in is, can he and Alpern Shangun actually work together in the starting lineup? So we're going to be talking about that. Um, and then we're going to also be getting into something that's been going around lately, especially with Kevin Porter Jr. being out and Alper and Shangun having multiple good games in a row, is who's the Rockets' best player? And then honestly, it doesn't even really matter at this point, considering that whoever their best player is, it, it hasn't mattered too much the last 12 games and 15 out of 16 um, because they haven't been winning too much. So I want to start there, uh, Vader. 
when you're looking at this team, first off, who do you think is their best player? And second, does it do you really put too much stock into it? Uh, either way, even if it, you know, even if you say KPJ or Alvin Shankin or whoever is their best player. Okay, so when the when the season first started, I think um, I think we wanted it to be Jalen Green, and I think mm-hmm. right at the very beginning of the season, I think you could make an argument that. He was probably, if he wasn't the best player, he was probably like at, at worst second best player on the team. I yeah. think he started the year pretty decently. He he's, he's had a lot of ebbs and flows this year, um, but since then, I, as far as just being consistent overall for the for the majority of the season, I'd have to say Kevin Porter Jr. was that guy. And I know that's not like a popular opinion, um, <laughs> but yeah. I think Kevin. <laughs> I honestly do think that like Kevin Porter Jr. gets a, a bad rap. Uh, and I've said this before, to me, he is a guy who, as a shooting guard, you wouldn't question his his passing. You wouldn't question his playmaking ability because yeah. at the shooting guard, the things that he he could do from that position with his skills are actually a commodity. He is he would be a devastating secondary playmaker. But he so he was he showed himself to be so good at those skills as a shooting guard that they were like, hey, maybe we can try this guy out at, at point guard and see what happens. Um, I mean, because his handle is really good and it's gotten better since the time he's gotten here. His passing is is really good for a shooting guard. Um, and, you know, he has his moments where you're like, wow, that was a good pass. You know, that, that he displayed really good court vision. However, you do know, you know, you've been watching basketball for a long time. Mm-hmm. Point guard, had, there's more to point guard than being able to just dribble and being able to pass. There is a feel that you have to have to like really be a top tier point guard. And, you know, sometimes he looks like he has it. And other times, you know, we see the tweets and we see the the comments on Instagram that, you know, people are calling for his head. But like if you just look at his game in its totality and if you just take into consideration that, hey, maybe he is being played a little bit out of position, he'd be he'd be an amazing combo guard. Like um, I think somebody mentioned today as far as like if you look at like a team like Denver and, and Jamal Murray, he's not like a pure point guard. He plays yeah. point guard at times, but he is more better suited you know, kind of mixing it up, you know, being a playmaker a little bit, but also just being able to play off of a guy who is more of a playmaker. And in that system is, is Jokic, Jokic or whatever. But um, I think for the most part, KPJ has been really consistent this year. Like I, I've been pretty pleased with overall what he's, what he's brought to the table. Um, I do understand the critique of his game. I do know why people um, say some of the stuff they do, but the things that they say about like completely being out on him as a player, I don't get those things because I don't know how you look at a guy as talented as him and who like he's been a, you know, as far as we know, you know, as far as the information that I have, he's been a model citizen so far this year. Um, yeah. He seems like he's been a good teammate. Um, just keep bashing the guy, man. I, I just don't get it. Um, I know that there are, are other guys on the team that people want to be prioritized, whether that be Alperen Shingun, whether that be Jalen Green. But um, taking it out on Kevin Porter Jr. because the coaching staff has you know, decided to put him in this position uh, where he is the point guard and running the show. I, I don't know if that's all his fault. Like this is an experiment that um, from what we can tell came from the top down, uh, whether or not you think it was successful, a successful experiment or not is up for debate. Um, like I said, I, I do get the argument because I was always, you know, even last year, I was like, to me, he's not a, he's not a pure point guard, but you can make it work depending on roster construction and how you set up the offense. So uh, I think for the duration of the season, he's been consistently the best player. Recently, we've seen 
you know, Alperen Shingun has been getting more touches and been getting more opportunities to be the guy who uh, the offenses ran through. And we've seen some really special things from him on the offensive side of the ball. So um, right now, if I were to rank them, and I'm going to get some flag for this, I know, because everybody's screaming Shingun is the best player. Shingun is the best player. Uh, and he probably – if you're just looking at it right now, uh, if you're just looking at every, everything, like it, like this past week, who's been the best player? For the past two weeks, maybe, who's been the best player? It's been Shingun, and yeah. he's looked amazing at times. But I would rank them right now, um, KPJ. I would rank Shingun second, and I would rank Jalen Green third. And J- Jalen Green is my favorite player on the team. <laughs> so right. it's hard for me to like admit, like, hey, he, he has had a – really up and down season. And for me, it's a lot of, it's the consistency issues with him. And he's been getting a lot of flack on, on, on Twitter or whatnot. And, you know, I made a post just basically trying to say, Hey, he's not living up to like everybody's expectations probably, but like the expectations that you put on this guy are probably really unrealistic. If you really look at it, if you're at, if you're expecting Jalen green to average 25 points per game on like 58 true shooting percentage in his second season at 20 years old, nobody has done that. Like if you if you look historically there, that's just not something that happens. So you're you're expecting him to be like uh, at, at a shooting guard to be like the, the greatest to ever do it. You know, not not many guys come in at that position and can score 25 points per game and be efficient at the same time. So I think, you know, we need to just pump the brakes a little bit on where he is. Yeah, his defense has been terrible right now. Like if he ever sees this, like like I said, you're my favorite my favorite player, man. You got to step disclaimer. it up. Disclaimer, making me look bad out here, man. I'm I'm fighting for my life out here on social media. Like people like in my mentions and DMing me and all kind of stuff because I'm I'm defending the way that you're playing. And you know we know what you can be, man. And if you want to be that that Kobe Bryant level player, Michael Jordan level player, and you know that that's just kind of crazy for people to put that on him. But like he said himself, that's what he sees himself as. And those guys yeah. played on both ends of the floor, so. He has to step it up in that regard because right now, and not 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 any knock on you know Bradley Beal and Zach Levine and and um, that's kind of what he's trending towards right now. You know, right now I'm hoping that he can get into like the the Devin Booker's of the world, and then if he like I said, if he if he can put it all together, you know, and that's on him. But if he if he wants to really put it put it all together and have his name mentioned with the greats, you have to be a two way player. And we've seen yep. some we've seen some um, progression as far as his playmaking. That's been good at times or good to okay. And then sometimes it's just been kind of bad with the turnovers, but he's still growing. So, like I said, if I were to rank right now, I'm going to go KPJ. Shingun is kind of on his heels because, like, we've seen when the offense runs through Shingun, like, we suddenly don't look like the worst offense in the league. And that's not Kevin Porter Jr.'s fault. Like, I kind of feel like if they – put more on Shingu's shoulders, I think that would actually benefit KPJ just based on some of the things that I've already said. You know, we know he's an excellent catch and shoot player. I could see like guys trying to close him out, him catch the ball and his, his handles for a shooting guy, like I said, are, are excellent. Like just imagine him being fully weaponized in the offense where they're kind of playing like they're playing right now. And, you know, of course he needs to be able to cook, you know, any, any, any shooting guard and point guard that's worth their salt in this league wants to have the ball in their hands sometimes. So, you just got to find out that healthy balance. And, and Shingun has to learn how to play with and without the ball yeah. to best optimize everybody. Yeah. And so you brought up two-way players. You brought up defense. And as great as Shingun is on offense, he's he's obviously their most efficient offensive player. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. has been shooting a lot better lately. But just overall efficiency, I mean, Shingun 
is more than likely going to get you two points more than any other player on the team. He's been great lately, even though his turnovers have been high. I know nobody ever wants to point that out. <laughs> he's actually near the top of the league. When I last checked yesterday, he was second. Since KBJ has been out the last four games, he's second in ter- the more, most turnovers with 15, um, which, of course, is going to go up with the more he handles the ball, but that's a lot for a center. Now, his assist has also went up as well, Shane Goons. He's up to over six assists a game in the last four games. Um, but almost four turnovers a game, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, coming from your center position. Um, but the main thing why I, st- I, I agree with you on Kevin Porter Jr. still being their best player is, no, Kevin Porter Jr. is not a lockdown player. I mean, he's he's not he's not Marcus Smart. He's not going to go out there and win a defensive player of the year award this year. But he's also not a liability on defense. Now, Shane Goon gives you some highlight blocks. He gives you some good plays on defense. But too many times where um, he's not um, able to switch out on defenders, so that's why they play a lot of drop coverage. Or he's not getting back fast enough to cover the basket, and guess what? His man goes crazy and, and gets his own easy best. Like, we saw Mark Williams just absolutely go nuts last game. Um, that, I think probably, that hurt my heart, man, because I, I wanted Mark <laughs> Williams a lot in that draft. And, because and I said he, the exact he, same he thing. Is, and, and respectfully, he is what Bruno Fernando was supposed to be. He's, he's, he's basically the archetype of the player that they – kind of sold us on at the beginning of the year yeah. when they wanted to start Bruno. You know, we want this rim run, running big uh, who can defend the paint. That is Mark yeah. Williams to its T. So, like, yeah. it can hurt now when you look back at it, if, you know, if you, just for a change of pace. Like, I think Alperen Shingun has a has the ability to be the best player on this team easily just, just based on uh, his body is not all the way there yet as far as, like, him being in the best physical condition that he can be in. He obviously has the basketball IQ. The stat lines that he puts up when he gets it going, like we saw what he did to the Lakers. I mean, that was that was that was astounding. And then to see like Jalen Green come right back the next game and have probably you know arguably one of the best games of his career, um, you see the talent there. And I just you know it's just a matter of them putting it all together. But like I was saying, Mark Williams and Walker Kessler was another guy who. Um, they could have been a perfect like change of pace center to put in the game as far as like defending the pain and being able to catch those lobs. So, you know, hopefully they eventually like identify who that is and then in the next draft or two and like bring that person in. Yeah, because as much as people want wanted to be Garuba, I just don't see it from Garuba. I don't see him being that backup center just because right. he's only six eight. Now, you could be 6'8 and still be, I mean, look at Robert Williams in Boston, but you got to have uber athleticism. You got to yeah, be able to jump over he's the rim. He's a freak athletic. athletic yeah, and, concern, yeah. and Uzma Garuba just doesn't have that athleticism. He has, he hustles, he plays all out, but he, he just doesn't have enough to be able to be a a continually back uh, backing up Shangun. And that's why they just kind of flip flop between Bruno Fernando and Uzma Garuba because neither one of them has really any standout skills. They kind of have what the other person doesn't have. Uzma Garuba is more athletic than Bruno Fernando, but Bruno Fernando, um, I, I mean, he's more athletic as far as side to side or being able to cover uh, guards. But as far as playing above the rim, Bruno Fernando's a better, but he's not exactly, you know, he's not exactly the most athletic player in the, in the league. He's just the most athletic center that the Rockets have, which isn't like saying a lot. And we kind of see that, and that's why Bruno Fernandez hasn't been playing as much. So the Rockets really don't have a legitimate backup center, and that's another reason why some of Shangun's um, some of Shangun's liabilities are kind of showing out because the Rockets don't have anybody to help cover that up. And we were expecting that from Jabari Smith as being like the weak side shot blocker, 
that we kind of saw in summer league, but that hasn't really developed yet. Maybe it develops later on, but we really haven't seen that yet. So some of those defensive liabilities kind of stick out because Shangun doesn't really have anybody to help him at backup center or power forward. And that's why I just say KPJ is their best player this year, just because, yes, he's not, you know, going to win any defense player of the year's award, but he's not a liability on defense either. I don't think you have teams that game plan to, hey, let's let's go directly at Kevin Porter Jr. every single time like they do Shangun. And we all know how Kevin Porter Jr., especially lately, his shooting, he's shooting over 40% from three um, his last 15 or 20 games. So his shooting has went up. He's their best um, late game scorer. He's their, their best person as far as being able to get their own shot. So I just think that Kevin Porter Jr. is just low-hanging fruit as far as people that don't like him. And and the problem is, and something I brought up earlier, is a lot of people are fans of players only. They're not fans of the Houston Rockets. It's, it's not like it used to be where people – yeah, they were fans of players, but they were fans of the Houston Rockets. So if a player left the team, they were still fans of the Houston Rockets. Now as people are like really stuck on being fans of just one particular player, so they push certain agendas. And right now, the player that's standing in the way is not Christian Wood anymore because he's in Dallas, thriving in Dallas with Luka. Now it's Kevin Porter Jr. He's the person that's standing in the way of players like Apra and Shangoon and not so much Jalen Green anymore because now, like you said, Jalen Green is getting hate from the Rockets fan base now as well. So yeah. it's pretty much now it's just, just everybody. Like, what do y'all want do? from this dude? And so we've seen we've seen this story before. This story is played out because I'm I'm kind of like I hate I, I hated the fact that I had to be like yeah I, right now as of right now I do think KPJ is our best player. But I feel like people are, despite the fact that I've said Alperen Shungun has been amazing in the past yeah. couple of weeks and that he has the potential to be the best player on the team soon, um, either him or Jalen. Uh, I just feel like people are going to get mad because I did not anoint Alperin right now. Alperin and it's not is, even controversial. Uh, it's really not. <laughs> his, 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 his effect on the game and what he is bringing offensively right now is, is amazing. Like if you just yeah. look at like he's, he's a, he's a threat, you know, one-on-one in the post um, as far as like generating offense and finding guys, like he's really good. I just think, right. And I still think he has another level that he can get to. And uh, what I'm getting to is we've seen this before in the past. We saw it with the um, Yao Ming and, and Tracy McGrady situation. You had Yao only fans. You had, uh, you know, Tracy McGrady only fans. We saw it with um, Jeremy Lin. James Harden and Jeremy oh, Lin God. at some point in time. Horrible. And that was terrible. That was quite <laughs> crazy. And so like, I just want people to understand as these guys are on the same team. Like we're the, the, the way we like to pit or the fan base likes to pit guys on the team against one another. To me, it's just like, it's counterproductive. I just think it's a waste of time. And then you just kind of split the fan base because like, I find myself even at times like getting into the fray and and some of those discussions, even though, um, and then it sounds like you're hating on the other guy. You know what I mean? Because if you put, if you start explaining, or you know you hear you you hear or see something that you think is kind of off base or, or ridiculous, and then you kind of jump in and put your two cents in. And it's almost like you you you're like having to tear down the other guy. I, I want all of them to win. I want them all to succeed. I want them all to be successful. And so like I I really wish as a fan base we would just cut that out as far as like build, uh, tearing one guy down to build up the other. Because if you really look at it in this whole Kevin Porter Jr. and Alfred Shingun situation, they can really thrive together. It's a matter of the coaches best figuring out how to get that to work because, like, 
it seems like it seems like so easy. It seems like a, an easy solution, you know. Like you let like you let KPJ do some of the stuff that he likes to do, but you also still can run the offense through Shingun. And KPJ is going to benefit because he is a great knockdown shooter, and he's a great he's great at attacking people off off the catch. So like this can work, you know. It does not have to be Kevin Porter Jr. versus Jalen Green, and we get that a lot too. It does not have to be Kevin Porter Jr. versus Shingun. It does not have to be Kevin Porter Jr. against Jabari. Oh, he's not looking for Jabari in the corner. He hates Jabari. Oh, he doesn't want to pass to Jabari. So we just get all of this stuff, man, and it, it just gets a little it gets a little old and redundant at times because I honestly feel like, you know, up until recently, I think he was doing what the coaches wanted him to do. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't have a choice. <laughs> they didn't have a choice pretty recently because he, he wasn't there. And then, you know, Jalen is a little shaky as far as, like, operating in the offense right now. Eric Gordon is not really a playmaker like that. Dacian makes us struggle too much to really put him in the game. So, at that point, it was either uh, let's kind of run things through Shingun a little bit more or let Ty Ty Washington, you know, give it a go. And they opted to go with Alfred Shingun. Yeah. And uh, another thing I just want to say on that real quickly is, the way I come from things is everybody can be criticized. Nobody on this team is above criticism. I can criticize Kevin Porter Jr. Yes, he turns the ball over way too much. Sometimes he over dribbles. Sometimes he 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 makes mental mistakes that he shouldn't be making. And now that he's uh you know in the three or four years into the league, so my thing is if you come from a place where you can criticize anybody, then nobody should have a problem with what you're saying because you're, you're being legit. You're being legit with what you're saying. You're not just a fan of one player. I'm not going to tear down Shingun just to say, Hey, Kevin Porter Jr. is this guy. Hey, they all can be criticized. They've lost 12 in a row. Nobody on this team is above criticism. That I'm goes from 20 Tim in Fertitta, a row, potentially Jeez. probably is heading towards that way. So nobody from Fertitta all the way down to clutch the bear can, cannot be criticized <laughs> because this That's team is not trade. winning. Um, so my, my thing is people that just kind of, and I, you know, you see it all the time. Soon as a, they'll pick out one particular play and they'll make this about a certain player. Ken Paul Jr. hasn't even played the last four games, but yes, somehow he's still the main focus of people's hate. Shane Goon is playing 40 minutes a game and somehow people are still hating on what well, Coach Alice is not doing this with him, not doing that with him, even though he's had – the second most shots on the team since Kevin Porter Jr. has been out. And, I mean, Shangun is starting now. Knicks is not in the lineup anymore. The only problem I have with the rotation still is Eric Gordon, which, that again, that what we saw from the John Wall situation where we didn't get to that part. But that might not even oh, be man. his call in, at the end of the day. So my, my thing is just people get blinded so much about wanting to push their agendas and be right that they don't really fairly criticize or fairly um, – Fairly look at the game and see exactly who's doing what. So a lot of times you can't even really listen to what certain people say because they're only saying it just to push a certain agenda. And at this point, like I said earlier, I'm almost to the point where I'm muting so many people. It's not even funny. I have no problem with debating. Like we may not agree on certain things. I actually like a really good debate. But just if you're coming from a, a place where you're just saying this guy sucks and this guy is this. It's hard to even talk to those people right, anymore. And that's why so. I thought it was cool because we kind of like we didn't we didn't share like our our list of who we thought was the best player before we did this. So yeah. like you could have easily said a different player. I could have said a different player. And like I said, like KPJ isn't even my favorite player on this team. And so like I'm I have to be objective when I when I say you know when I when I come on you know this podcast and, and say the things I say. And you know I I don't necessarily think 
Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be the best player on his team a year or two from now. But like, I think right now, I think right now he is. Uh, if Alperen Shangun is still playing the way that he's playing and he improves a little bit on the defensive end of the floor, I might have a different opinion at, after 82 games is over. We still have like half a season left. And, you know, he, he is really, to me, uh, the way he played against the Lakers showed me something. And then him backing that up against the Hornets with another good game. However, like you said, there were still some missed assignments. And it's not just him. So it's almost like when you say something about his defense, people are like, well, everybody else's defense sucks too. I'm like, I know that. <laughs> but but <laughs> he's like the center. Saying, he's the, he's the last line of defense. He had a good game. He scored 41 points. Yeah. I had, you know, somebody came in the spaces and started yelling, I don't care about his 41 points. His defense is trash. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, They're, I know that. All their defense you is know. trash. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know his defense was actually pretty bad that game. And, uh, and, so, and they were like, well, we can't be celebrating these guys. You know, when they score 40 points, when they're not playing defense and we can't celebrate Shingun's game because he wasn't playing defense that great. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, but, you know, from a competitive standpoint, you're right. But this team is so bad. You got to take what you can get. (laughs) It's so like it just everything just seems really dysfunctional right now. Like, yeah, at times I'm looking for a silver lining. Right. So if I see my guy go out there like Alvin Shingun did and dominate the Lakers, I'm going to be happy about that. I know he's 20 years old and that there's still room for improvement and that these guys need to be coached up. And when I see Jalen go out and drop a 41-point uh, game on amazing efficiency, and he played really smart, and he did in four shots. And he adjusted. And when he did yeah. not have the shot, he gave it up and got it back. And these are the things that we've been asking for him to do for, like, the past month. And he's been, like, forcing up these really awkward, terrible shots. And he did it last game, finally. And I'm like, there, that, that is what I want to see. He was getting double teamed to, you know, to the point where he had to like give the ball up and he was making the correct play. They trapped him out at half court one time. He gave it up to Jabari. Jabari got an easy uh, drop to the basket and laid it up. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's for, and we're probably not going to fix, like if we're being realistic, we're probably not going to fix the offense and the defense at the same time. I, no. You know, we got like the worst offense and the worst defense in the league almost. Can we fix one of them? Can we focus on like getting something working? Like I, like I'm, I'll take anything right now. Even Can if you hold somebody under 120 points for once, that'll be nice. Yeah, like give me something, man. Like I'm, I'm grasping for straws right now. I'm, you know, we, we're drowning. Like so, like if I see our offense at least clicking and looking like a real NBA offense, and guys aren't just standing around looking at each other, and guys don't look like they look, look like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm gonna get excited about that. If I see a few possessions during the game where our defense looks connected. I'm going to get excited about that. We got we have so much so much to fix. And and if you really look at the roster guys, if we're being honest, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here in 2 years. No. They're not 90, going to be here. 90% in two years. of them are going to be here. Let's just be honest. That's just the way it goes in the NBA when you're starting to win from a rebuilding team. Go back and look at those Philadelphia teams when they were rebuilding. Who's left from the, the time that Joel Embiid came in the league? I mean, nobody other than Joel Embiid. I mean, everybody else is gone. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. Once you try to start to get competitive, 90% of these people, and that's probably being generous, aren't even going to be on the team anymore. That's just the way it is. That's the way the business is. Um, I want to actually lead into the next topic and something we were kind of talking about a little bit is um, going beyond this season with Alperin Shangun possibly being the best player. Where, what? How does that affect – 
if you're able to be lucky enough to get Victor Wimbiyama, because we all know at this point, there's no way in the world Victor Wimbiyama, unless he just decides to quit basketball and become a priest or something, there's no way he's not going to be the number one overall pick next year. So let's say the Rockets finally, for the first time in three years, actually get the number one pick. And, of course, they take Victor Wimbiyama. How does he fit with Apron Shangun, or does he fit at all? Does that kind of maybe push Shangun to the bench? Um, and you're starting Victor Wimbiyama in the front court with Jabari Smith. I think that's a that's like a, that's a trick question. I've <laughs> I've seen um, I've seen some people that I respect on on both sides of this issue. I've seen some people argue that uh, Wimbiyama is the perfect fit next to Shingun because he erases some of his deficiencies. I've mm-hmm. seen some some people say that that's an impossible fit. You have to trade Shingun. You have to move Shingun to the bench, and the and and. Where I sit on it, and this is going to sound like a cop out, I I don't know. Like if you ask me, do I think it works? If if you know, gun to my head, you know, I don't think so. I don't know. And and the reason, like, I can't be really one hundred percent sure about the fact that it fits is because what do I compare it to? Like yeah. and and like, if you look at like Shingun's um, athleticism, like to me, he's a center. Um, I don't think there is a world where you move Alperen Shingun to power forward. And he's able to defend out in space. Um, well, let me ask you something real quick. I just thought about this. And uh-huh. it's not even really a fair comparison because Jared Allen is not really the type of center that Shangun is. But, I mean, Cleveland kind of had that situation where they weren't sure if they can play Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together. And people were thinking, well, maybe they're not going to work together. And even though Evan Mobley's kind of having a down year this year, he hasn't been as good as he was last year. They made it work some kind of way. Is that like the closest thing you can probably think of, or maybe even uh, you, uh, Minnesota? And but we've seen that that hasn't even when Cat was playing, that didn't necessarily work out the See, way they that's thought it was going to work. That's my fear. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I didn't even think about that. A Rudy Gobert and a uh, Cat. Yeah, yeah, that that was terrible. But no, I think <laughs> I think the reason why Evan Mobley and Jerry Allen work is because Jerry Allen is actually a, a good defensive player. And Evan Mobley is also actually a good defensive player, <laughs> so, True. and yeah. he can and he can move his feet well for a for a seven footer. So he can get out there, and he he's probably not going to lock you up on the perimeter. But even if you beat Evan Mobley, he can still contest. He can still get back back into play with his length and and really bother your shot and really funnel you into Jared Allen. And so they kind of meet you and like you. It, it I think it's just different. So yeah. like just imagine Shingun being out there chasing guys around. And then, like, I don't know, man. Like, it just, to me, it don't, it doesn't seem like it's a good fit. So, like, let's say we keep Shingun as the center, and now you have Victor Wimbayama out at power forward, you know, defensively. Uh, it's just like I said, it's just something we haven't seen before. I don't know if it'll work until I see it. Yeah. And so, if, if, like I said, gun to my head, if you made me, if you made me uh, give you a yes or no answer, does that work together defensively? Offensively, I don't think they have any issues. Offensively, I think uh, they're both good enough offensive players where I think they figure it out. Uh, defensively is where my concerns are. And like I said, there are some people that I really respect that think that, uh, Vic, you know, because Victor Wimbanyama is such a freak, you know, as far as his uh, his height and his length and his ability to block shots, they think that he will be able to uh, work in conjunction with Shingun to where it wouldn't be an issue. Me personally, I have to see it because I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Uh, as long as I've been watching watching basketball, I'm having a hard time 
thinking of a player with Shing, of Shingun's archetype uh, on defense and a, and a player like Victor Wimbayama working in conjunction together. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I want to think, I mean, I'm sure they could figure out some way to have it work because Shangun does have such a high basketball IQ, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, I mean, maybe if Shangun was a better outside shooter. Now I know Victor Wimbayama can shoot from the outside, even though he has been shooting on the 30% from three. I mean, that probably will improve once he, you know, gets in the NBA and works on it more. But the problem is Shangun needs the ball in his hands to be effective. I mean, he's not going to be out on the perimeter shooting up threes. I mean, we've seen that. He finally starts taking some and he's actually made a few, but that's just not his game. He's not going to be in the corner um, like Al Horford was last night, taking three-point shots. That's just not his type of game. Um, so he needs the ball in his hands. He needs the ball in his hands in the post because he really doesn't shoot anything outside of five feet, seven feet from the basket. Now, Victor Wimbyama, yeah, he can move around, but you want Victor Wimbyama near the paint. You don't want him out there just shooting up a bunch, shooting seven to eight threes a game like he's Carl Anthony Towns. You want him seven foot four frame, probably five feet, seven foot five at that point. You want him near the basket for offensive rebound, for a lob threat. You don't want him hanging around the three-point line the entire game. So that's why I find it hard to believe that him and Shangun are going to work together in the same front court. And then on top of that, you move Jabari Smith to small forward. I mean, yeah, he could probably play small forward, but do you that's really want him his chasing people around screens? The aren't really there. I think he could yeah. play small forward. But, it, but now everything – see, yeah, you're right. It kind of jumbles up everything. It messes think, up the lineup, yeah. Because um, we were even talking you know, earlier in the season, like – Jabari might end up being, you know, a center, yeah. <laughs> depending on how big he gets. Like right now, he's not. Um, he's he's definitely, you know, a small forward, power forward. But he might end up being like a power forward, center type of player, and not a small forward, power forward. So, yeah, like I don't know, man. That that Wimby and Shingun thing is is really a conundrum to me because of the fact, like you said, I I do think my concerns are less offensively, just because I do think they figure it out. Eventually, mm-hmm. it probably would look really bad at first. And um, Shingun does have to get a shot, man. Like, uh, people keep telling me, no, he don't have to learn how to shoot because <laughs> yeah, he never has to learn how to shoot. <laughs> but I feel like you're really limiting how 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 good he could be by not him not getting, like, at least a LaMarcus Aldridge mid-range game. Yeah. You know, right? Like, if he could just even kill people from the mid-range, it would be – it would just really open up a lot for him. We saw um, when we played against Sabonis – last week like to me that's his next uh tier that he needs to get into and people are like yeah. oh yeah he's definitely going to be as good as the minus sabonis and yeah, i think sabonis they is really good <laughs> he's really he's really really good i think people really underestimate because you know we look at the per 36 and all that kind of stuff and shingun looks really good in the per 36 but they when they went head to head you saw yeah shingun is really good He's not as good as Sabonis yet. No. He's gonna have to get stronger. That dude is like a that dude is a is a like a, a rock. Like when you bump into that dude, yeah. um, and so Shingun needs to get there as far as like just being able to. And I think he can. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he does with his physique over the summer. I know he was with his uh he was with his national team or whatever yeah. over this past off season. So I would like and hope that he would get into the gym and kind of like get a little more chiseled. And he he has worked on his body to his credit because I saw like how he used to look um, a few years ago. Yeah, so I know he has better work shape. Ethic. Yeah, I know yeah. he has a work ethic, but there's there's still yet another uh there's still yet another level that he can take his body to. 
And I think, you know, like, who knows? Like, once he gets there, you know, maybe some of the concerns will be alleviated a little bit because maybe he maybe he has a little bit more lateral quickness if he's in better shape. He's never going to be quick. Like, let, let me not get that, you know, confused. Yeah, you, but, you can't make quickness. That's just has Right, to you be can't there. make quickness, but he can get stronger, for one, like Sabonis. Yeah. And then, like, also just knowing, learning the game better and, and positioning. He can just slide over and just be in the right places. You know, like, you know, like, Chuck Hayes defense at at, at worst. <laughs> like get just get learn how to get hey. to the right spot and, and not to yeah. diminish what Chuck Hayes did because he was, you know, but being, he, he wasn't the he most was. athletic player in the world. He just knew how to play. Right. Right. So, and yeah. Shingu knows how to play, but on offense, on, on defense, he needs to take that same B ball IQ and learn how to be guys to the spot. Position, that's yeah. that's what Chuck Hayes is really good at. Like I'm gonna I know what you want to do. I've I've watched the film, him and Battier. I'm Battier. Battier was not a good athlete no, to me, no, he but like you saw him out there, like defending Kobe Bryant as best as anybody could. You know, Kobe still got his, but you know he was always in the right spot. He had his hand in his face, <laughs> right um, in his eyes. <laughs> you know, if you look on the internet right now, you could probably find a good picture of oh, like yeah. um, Shane Battier's hand completely covering <laughs> Kobe Bryant's face and him shooting the ball, and it's still going it's still in because it. that's just how good Kobe was. So. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like I said, it it, it could possibly work because, like I said, Shane Goon is such a smart basketball player. He will find a way to make it work, but it would be a clunky fit. And, I mean, an you idea. would have to then adjust Jabari Smith's game because he would have to eventually – either way, he's going to have to eventually work on his handles. But definitely at the small forward position, he would have to improve his handles um, big time because you need you you, want, you don't want to have as good as Wimbyama is as far as handling the ball and Shane Goon can handle a little bit. You're still going to have three players are, that are going to be at best average ball handlers, but more than likely below ball handlers. So then you're going to be limiting your offense. So to me, that's a real clunky fit. Now, of course, if they get Scoot Henderson, then that makes it a lot easier fit because then you don't really don't have that's to worry crazy about that. Thing. It's almost like. You, if you get the first pick, you have to take women. You have to injury yeah. injury concerns aside, fit aside. But like the the guy who probably really makes this go like off the you know just like when you just think about man, what would make our team better right now? It's probably Scoot Henderson or one of the Thompson you know, twins but, or Anthony Black, any of those other guards. Right. So, but if you're talking about a guy who can potentially be like a generational player, if he doesn't get hurt and if he continues to work on his game, you have to take Victor Wimbayama. Like you don't want to be that team who passes on a guy who, you know, is a first ballot hall of famer. Well, let me ask you real quick before we wrap up the show, you know, you kind of brought that up. How concerned are you about the injuries? Cause every player Very. that's been that height has, is, is a really good video on YouTube. I have to find it. There's a really good video on YouTube that shows, uh, percentages and breaks down stats of players that are above seven two or seven three, and how long they played in the NBA, how many injuries they had. Um, when was the last time that a player that size actually really was good in the NBA? And they talked about Kristaps Porzingis, who's playing well this year, but he's had so many injury concerns. Then you go back to Yao Ming. Then you go back to Ralph Sampson. Zeru- all Zerundis if I pronounce that right, but yeah, yeah all these players have had dude. injuries. Rick yeah. Smith. Yeah, I, Rick I, I Smith. Can, yeah. I, I'm very concerned, Lashard, because every every guy that I can think of that's seven three or taller has been hurt. Yeah, and they've been hurt to the point where I feel like it 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 crippled their career as far as like what they could have been. Because Glauskis was really he was like to me he was like really coming into who he was as a player, 
And then yeah. I think he had, I think it was feet with him, just like Yao Ming. I think it was feet. And then we had the Ralph Sampson thing way back. Um, you know, I don't remember that as well, but I, you know, I know he, all about it. He stayed hurt. Yeah. And that was the reason yeah. why the Rockets didn't win and a championship. Was like, in the and 80s. if you look at Ralph Sampson in college, Ralph Sampson was the next. You know, he was the best. He was uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. He was that Absolutely. level of a prospect. And a lot of people don't remember that because, you know, he never was able to be what he was supposed to be. But like, like he was college player of the year multiple times. They won championships. Yeah. Uh, that guy was a special player as far as uh, being seven four and handling the ball, shooting the ball. Like he was doing stuff at that height that. Um, nobody had ever seen anybody do before. So he he was Wimby before Wimby is what I know. I know Andrew. Shout out to Andrew. I know he likes to say that a lot. That you know Ralph Sampson was was uh, who who Wimby was before Wimby. He could do it. He could do it all. He was. I mean, I was really young, but I mean, I remember some of it. I mean, he he won like you said won multiple championships in college. He was up until that time they were comparing him. He wasn't as great as Kareem because nobody was as great as Kareem in college or even Bill Walton, but he was the next guy right after that. I mean, he was consensus number one. Um, if he would have stayed healthy, the, even though Bill Fitch couldn't stand him for whatever reason, they just could not get along. <laughs> but if they would have stayed healthy, the Rockets would have won at least one championship in the 80s. So that's a, like least, one of the biggest what ifs. And that was – and that was with the the you know dynasty Celtics, the dynasty Lakers, and they yeah. took the Lakers down. I know he hit that crazy shot where he yeah. caught it on the inbound or whatever. But yeah, yeah man, like, yeah. I don't know. But like, just to go back, you know, to circle back to what we were saying, I'm very concerned about his injuries. I remember when Phil Jackson drafted uh, Porzingis, he even mentioned it. He mentioned Andrew Bynum is another one. Yeah, he mentioned the fact that he was concerned. He was like, I think he's too tall. <laughs> Like, I don't remember yeah. the exact wording, but he's, he basically said I, I, he's too tall. You know, at some point, the height becomes, uh, you know, instead of it being an advantage, it kind of becomes a disadvantage just because of your center of gravity and yeah. also just from an injury perspective. So, um, yeah, man, like the, the, the Wimby injury thing does concern me. I was concerned about Chet because of his, Chet because yeah. of his frame. <laughs> There's another one, yeah. And he's, oh. not, he's not as tall as those guys, but his slender build – you know, he and, and so like when Bayama when Bayama coming in as a guy as tall as he is and as skilled as he is and doing things that he probably shouldn't be doing at his height. Like, yeah, it's 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 something that I thought a lot, especially I, I remember when Yao went down in the playoffs and we with that foot and we never saw him again. And that was a that was a really rough time in, in, in Houston Rockets fandom That's history because still depressing had, to think about that. They had finally put together, I know we gotta get out of here, but they had finally put together a roster around Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming that could have won a championship when, when they brought Ron Artest in. You okay. know, for years you had Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming and you had a bunch of others, you know, and like I said, respectfully, <laughs> but they weren't good. I mean, we had <laughs> like if you think about I mean, we had Sadell Threed and like we had a bunch of guys who just who were oh, like God. at the tail end of their three, career, former they just Sonic, yeah, yeah, and they just weren't <laughs> good at all, right? And they finally put together like some some good role players with Carl Landry and and Scola, Aaron Brooks, and, yeah, and Battier and Ron Artest, and you know Skip Skip Timalu was crazy, but he was good, and you had Matumbo, yeah. and then then Matumbo got, got hurt, <laughs> so they all got hurt, man, and yeah, crazy. That, that was like. That to me, I hadn't felt that again until Chris Paul went down with that hammy. But yeah, that that Yao Ming hurting his foot was that sucked. Yeah. And we were the only team I think that took the Lakers to seven games that seven year. Seven games, yeah. And we they didn't even have T Mac because he was hurt. 
he he got hurt before that. They they yeah. want to beat the Lakers. So just imagine that team has stayed him with yeah, Ron Artest playing the way he was playing, T Mac and Yao not getting hurt, man. And and yeah. even without all of that, they still took the Lakers to seven games. And then Ron Artest uh, bailed out and went to the team that just beat him. I like Kevin Durant. Dude, we, <laughs> um, man, if some, if somebody were to ever write a book about all the Houston uh, Houston fan heartbreak, man, <laughs> I've been thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be an interesting book for sure. It'd be a long and, and, book, and people wonder why we're always so like defensive and uh, like especially like with the national media and stuff like that, and with other fan bases. Like y'all don't understand a lot of the stuff that we've been through with the Astros, the Oilers, uh, the Rockets, and now the Texans. Texans ruining my life right now too. So, <laughs> sure, that's a whole nother podcast, the Texans. Um, but before we wrap it up, um. I kind of know the answer to this, but uh, what are you expecting tomorrow? Rockets take on Minnesota. We can, is is uh, and this is a joke. If 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 uh, Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> and Rudy Gobert are playing together, we can win. If they're not playing <laughs> together, we're gonna lose. <laughs> oh well, I, I, I guess that's a. I guess we know what's gonna happen then because I don't, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is gonna be back anytime soon. Right, that's right? bad when so, you need one of the best players to come back and you might actually have a chance to beat him when he's actually on the court, but. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we are today with the Rockets. Uh, they actually play Minnesota back-to-back games, um, and we all see, know what and happens. See, and that's why. And that's why when when our guys play well, that's why I'm like at the point now. Like, I don't think we're going to win going into these games. So yeah. if I see you know two three guys on the team playing well, you know, I'm that's that's what I have. That's all I have right now to to hold on to to be happy about. So. I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna tune out the noise of people telling me I can't be happy if a guy has a good game because we lost. Because guess what? We're gonna lose a lot of more games <laughs> in the year, and I have to watch them all. So like, if if I'm watching uh, the games, I'm gonna look for small victories. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Pretty much at this point, I have, I have to watch all the games. So I'll take anything I can get at this point. Uh, we'll see how it goes these next couple of games. Uh, when Rockets take on Minnesota, they play Minnesota at Minnesota tomorrow. And then they travel back home to play Minnesota at home. Another one of these crazy scheduling quirks that the NBA does now. But uh, we'll see how that all plays out. And another thing to kind of keep in mind uh, a little bit, uh, talking about Scoot Henderson, he actually is playing at Rio Grande Valley Vipers tonight, uh, tonight and tomorrow. So that'll be something for Rockets fans to kind of pay attention to. He'll be going up against the Vipers who – um, start off a little slow this season. They have three wins so far. If I'm not mistaken, they're three and five, or uh, actually they're three and seven at this point. Uh, they start off a little bit slow uh, the regular season, but Trevor Hutchins has been playing great. Uh, if you just want to tune in and watch Trevor Hudson go up against Scoot Henderson, that would be a really good matchup tonight. This would have uh, been so, this would have been the only game where I would have been happy if Josh Christopher or Ty Ty was down in the G League. I was hoping Ty Ty was still going to be there, but he's back with the Rockets, so that would that would have been something playing. to watch. Yeah. Back with the Rockets, but not playing. <laughs> hey, backup, backup point guard Jay Sean Tate. What, what can you say? Um, hey, he's, I, he's, I, I like what Jay Sean Tate is. Jay Sean Tate been playing well, table. though. Yeah, yeah, he's been playing well, but can't complain about uh, Jay Sean right now. Yeah, so that's going to do it for today's show. We will be back next week unless something breaks before that. Um, but more than likely, we'll just be watching the Rockets uh, try to break their 12 game losing streak. Uh, these next couple of games. So uh, make sure you check us out next week. We appreciate everybody. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Audible, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate everybody that joins us every single week for the Rocks Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans.